Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I've booked a flight now that I got my vaccine. You know, I flew all the way overnight, like a whole day flying to Australia, to visit Philip Lewis to talk about where do they make balloons off of No! New York has tall buildings, New Jersey has its miles. Giza has a leaning tower, will it ever fall? The ocean has the fishes, London has a tower In Holland they have windmills, lots of bikes and pretty flowers But where, where do they make Philip, hey man Hey Greg, nice to meet you, finally <laughs> Yeah, and it does feel more real on the phone yeah, it does. And by the way, there's no chance of you getting into this country. We're not letting anybody <laughs> in. <laughs> not Americans, at least. We're idiots. Yeah, well, we're told at this stage the borders won't be opening until the middle of 2022. Oh, did they already say that? Yeah. yeah. But they don't know. The government oh, well. Make, they're make, making it up as they go along. We're supposed to go to... Well, we were supposed to go to Spain for six weeks in 2020... And now we're thinking we're going in 2022. It's through, I mean, it's through Cara's work. She's a Spanish professor, so we're going to go. She's bringing, like, a bunch of students over, you know. So her flight's free, the lodging's free, and then me and the kids will just, you know, tag along. Hopefully, but never been to Australia, though. My parents, not long before the whole world went to shit, they made it to Australia and New Zealand. I've never been, but eventually... Yeah, I've only left the country once. That was 18 months in England back in the mid-80s. And apart from that, yeah, never left the shores. In the mid-80s? Yeah. For real? <laughs> wow. 22-year-old and a big adventure. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Man, you never had the urge to... You never had that wanderlust. Um, yeah, but my wanderlust was largely satisfied by leaving Melbourne in what was that 97 when I uprooted and moved the length of the country and that was like moving to another country in a way yeah living, I mean you're in the tropics instead of living in the big city right I'm looking at I'm looking at a map and photos right now of uh, yeah. Rhonda and uh, yeah so you're way north I mean there's a uh, Oh, have you ever been to Darwin? I always want to know no, what it's like in Darwin. Darwin. <laughs> Doesn't seem well on the map. It's like that's not that far from you. That's probably actually really far. Yeah. So from from from, from Melbourne to Corunda, let's see how far is that. 
Thirty hours. Thirty hours. Thirty hours. Yeah, by road. That's by road. Yeah, it's just shy of uh, three thousand kilometers. Yeah. And there's tolls. (laughs) And a COVID checkpoint. Google Maps. Uh, let's see. Entry to New South Wales. There's a COVID checkpoint. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've <laughs> had we've had remarkably little COVID in our lives here, fortunately. Although, right back at the beginning, February last year, we had coach loads of tourists from Wuhan visiting. Uh, Ouch. So we So we could have been right in the midst of it but luckily no yeah we're yeah. gone just in time lots how time. how, yes, how dense is it around you like how well how how big how, is the town that you live in um well we're 10 minutes out of karanga which is a village um population the population for the area is about four or five thousand Oh, and tiny. yeah, and just down the hill from us is the city of Cairns, and that's hundred and fifty odd thousand people, I think now. Okay. Well, that's our big. That's about the so, size of the city I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're sort of isolated, but we're forty yeah. minutes. It's forty minutes drive from Cairns International Airport, so. Mm-hmm. You can get so when you. And you've seen you've seen them of giants, right? Yeah, when they've come. Seen, uh, where they, did you go? Did you go all the way to Sydney, or where did you where did you see them? Um, well, nineteen ninety, I was in I was still in Melbourne, so I saw them. Uh-huh. That tour was just like going out to see a band, like I was doing all the time anyway. And same again yeah. in ninety five. Then two thousand and thirteen, it was weird. They actually went to Townsville. They did a regional, they joined a regional touring festival, uh, Groove in the Mood Festival. And by then I was, when I I heard they were touring, 2013 was the first tour in 12 years. And it's like, yeah, okay, I'm into this. I'll I'll do it. So that's five hours away, according to them just mapping everything. Uh, Townsville, to Townsville. Yeah. Well, yeah, in theory, it was fine. Along the right. coast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my first instinct was, okay, I'll fly down to Melbourne, stay with mum and dad, catch up with family, friends, to they might be giant shows at the Corner, yeah. Ho- Corner Hotel, which was one of my old haunts anyway. Um, if I had done that, I would have been at the shows that finished up on the Flood Live album. Right. Live in Australia album. But instead, it was like, or, you know, or I could put the family in the car and we could drive down to Townsville and have that camping trip on Magnetic Island that we'd been talking oh. about for a few years. Magnetic Island. Uh, oh, yeah, there it is. That's really nice. Townsville's a bit of a oh. dump, but Magnetic Island's great. So we yeah. uh, so, so we drove down. In the end, they say it was a five-hour drive. In the end, it was a full day's drive away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I jumped on the ferry the day or two days after we arrived. Jumped on the ferry, went over to Townsville by myself, and saw a fifty-minute greatest hit set. Fifteen minutes? Yeah. Well, they're part of because they're just part of a festival. Yeah. yeah wow. 
Huh. That's side, interesting. You know, side by side stages. Yeah. And while well, one band's performing on one stage, the other band yeah. is packing down and setting up for the next band yeah. that was working like that. So, yeah, it was a, <laughs> so it was a greatest hit set, essentially. It was, wow. It was, it was greatest hit huh. plus, plus clap your hands, which was good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we know you love those yeah. kids ones. Yeah. yeah, nice. And there's a pretty, so, pretty good chance I was the only person in the audience who'd ever seen them before. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it, festival you know, shit has got to be weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they have definitely in in the most recent years been like, we're not even taking an openers. It's like, you come to see us. Yeah. We're there to see you. You're there to see us. Yeah, well, this was <laughs> totally the opposite. And just the place. Yeah. The places they went to on that tour, if they've only ever played the Capital Cities, they've right. only ever, that's what most bands do, is only play the Capitals. Uh, but no, they were in Bunbury and Bendigo and Canberra. Hmm. It's funny, the Capital City just gets relegated to a regional touring festival because it's so boring. And yeah, for, <laughs> them, for, for them, it was a way to help get some of your flights around the country paid because you do your side shows in between yeah. and it yeah. worked. There's something new for them. Yeah. 2015, I missed that tour because mum passed away about a month yeah. before the show. So, mm. yeah, I wasn't really in the mood to fly down to Melbourne again you know, for the first sure. time and celebrate. Yeah. There was nothing much to celebrate. So 2019 tour, I did what I was originally going to do in 2013 and flew down to Melbourne and stayed with Dad and caught up with old friends and caught two shows there. Nice. Uh, and that was so let's back great. it all the way up then. Cause you've, you've, so you saw them in 90. So you're. Yeah, so when did you get into them? Okay, got, so were you into them from day one, man? No, we'll, well, we'll go back to day one. <laughs> Go back to day one, 1982. Day one. I, turned, I turned 18, oh, uh, which meant I could go out and see bands in pubs. So I did. And um, <laughs> it was a world full of bands. We had a fantastic scene in Melbourne. There were just, there were just so many bands. All the international bands came to Melbourne, and all the Australian bands of any note came to Melbourne because that was the place you needed to make it in and yeah. we were spoiled rotten you know and the the list of bands i saw you know the overseas bands you know we'd have talking heads coming and the cure coming and echo and the buddy man and lou reed and queen oh, and man. the list just went on they all came to melbourne and it was yeah it was a pretty very it was a very busy lifestyle there for about 15 years for me where it was You'd be seeing bands three or four times a week and, you know, cinema nice. and theatre and parties and the whole thing, <laughs> which, is a, which is the total opposite to what I've got now. Now I'm just living in the well. hills. Yeah. I'm living in the that hills. seems pretty nice. I'm still looking at pictures. I'm looking at Bird World, Corunda, uh, and it's got some wild shit there, man. Yeah. Look, at a, look at a place called Rainforest Station. That's where I word. It's one word. So Rainforest Station, that's where I work. So you can see uh, um, yeah. lots, okay. there should be lots, lots of animals there. And World yeah. War II, and they've got amphibious uh, World War II landing craft. Yeah, I'm seeing it. They've got a whole fleet of um, boat of car. 
that's boat of cards. It's a card yeah. goes on the water as well. So, yeah, we've got that. Wow. This, uh, man, someday I'll make it down. So yeah. do you got like you got like some indigenous folks playing music and stuff too there? Uh dancers. Dancers, yeah. Dancers. Well, I'm seeing oh, a guy with a didgeridoo. Yeah, they play well they dance to the didgeridoo and clapstick. Sure. Um good sounds. You ever played a didgeridoo? No, we've got a few in the house. My wife used to play a little bit, although Yeah. Yeah, although culturally females aren't supposed to play them, but Right. Some people. <laughs> well, some people eat all uh, that rule. Um, well, it's fucking 2021. Yeah, I'm a smoker, so I wouldn't have the lung capacity anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this wouldn't happen for me. I know. I know what I'd be like. So, no, I so yeah. Of, so I played a bit of. When did you first in primary school? That's the only music. <laughs> yeah, I'm teaching. I'm teaching that to my fourth yeah. graders right now. I so when, when did you first hear about uh, they might be giants? Okay, they might be giants. So yeah, so. Early 88. That band. So, 88, okay. So in this world full of bands, I've just come back from England, 18 months in England at this point. And I, was, I remember it was a Saturday morning. Uh, the TV show was called Rock Arena on the ABC. And I would have been, I was watching it on VHS because I'd been out whatever night they showed it. They record, <laughs> record it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm watching this video show, and then suddenly it was just, what was that? And it was, don't let's start. So you get to the end of the show, and you rewind and watch the bits again that you liked, and don't let's start. I just watched it and watched it and watched it. <laughs> and then, then went out and bought the single, and then went out and bought the album, and it was, it was weird. But I was used to weird. <laughs> I, was, I was used to weird. So I wasn't. It wasn't something that just blew me away because it was weird. I mean, I'd, I was a bit of a residence fan. I was never a huge residence fan, but I had listened to a lot of the residents, so I was mm-hmm. aware of that whole weird genre. Um, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, that they might be giants. So I just loved the way that they put the weirdness into pop music, and it worked. You know, we yeah. know it works really well. Because it, I'd got onto them, you know, a little bit late, it wasn't long before Lincoln came out. I probably only had six months on the first album, and then Lincoln came yeah, out. That's pretty good. And <laughs> that, that was it. You know, I was, I just became obsessed, like many of them. They might be Giants fans. And. There's a thing about listening to They Might Be Giants. The way to do it is to play them over and over and over again. That's I think that's the way they're designed to be listened to, is to play them mm-hmm. over and over. So I did that, and in amongst all those bands, I'd never I'd never done any fan stuff. I wasn't, you know, yes, I was a music fan, but I'd never contacted a band or anything, but They Might Be Giants. I was like, oh, you know, when are these, are these guys ever going to tour? And there was no uh-huh. real, there was no real information there. The music press was pretty sketchy in those days. There was free music press in Melbourne, but half the time you didn't bother getting it because it wasn't that good. Um, yeah. Well. So what was the what was the big uh, music magazine down there? What you uh, what, what had the cool stuff? Oh, uh, there was Ram. Oh, what were the other ones? There was Ram and Duke were the two main ones. 
Now, there did was, you guys? I'm assuming you got Rolling Stone down there, yeah? Yeah, Rolling Stone. There was an Australian edition of Rolling Stone that started probably in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. I think it's been discontinued now. And that was okay. But there were so many bands. I was just too busy. I mean, I've read, I was always reading books. So I didn't have that much time for reading music press. I had done when I was in England because it was so much easier with um, NME. It was just so easy to keep up every week. You walk into a news agent and there's the paper. But there wasn't much of it in Australia. So I, I wrote them a letter. Just wrote them a letter to the Williamsburg address on the back, <laughs> on the back sleeve. And I you know, love you know, so, Love the, yes. al- love the albums, guys. Any chance you're going to be heading out to Australia sometime? And it took about nine months, but then I got a reply, <laughs> handwritten, re- handwritten reply from John Flansburg, nice. you know, thanking, yeah. me for my, thanking me for my kind words. And, you know, um, what did he put in there? There was a couple of postcards and the, one of the promo photos. And, yeah, he gave me what would have been a scoop if I'd been a journalist, but, yeah, they were actually going to be coming to Australia later that year. And the flood tour, the flood tour was finally announced. It would have been announced a few months before the shows. Mm -hmm. And then when tickets went on sale and I just went to buy my tickets and the first show was sold out, which just freaked me out. I had no idea they were that popular. Yeah. And I got hmm. tickets tickets for the other shows. I think in the end on the first tour I saw them probably three or four times. The tour poster because I've got a gigantic tour poster. It's a really, really good poster. And it lists three shows on the tour for Melbourne. Uh, I missed the first one, so in theory I only saw them twice, but there was definitely at least one extra show at the old Greek theatre, and Mm. I think there might have been two extra shows. I checked the wiki, that wasn't much help, but there there is a spare date in the calendar there somewhere where I think they did play an extra Melbourne show. So yeah, and it was great. The... Because it's just the whole point of it being two people making that noise. You know, I've seen so many bands right. and, you know, I was, I was usually impressed with three pieces who could come up with a good sound. I mean, the, ja- the jam were probably the pick of them. Mm. Um, yeah. but, but for a two-piece, it was just such a good sound. The audience was really young. That's what <laughs> one, one thing that really got me. By then, I was 26 and... Uh-huh. You know, you look around the room and they're all sort of 18 and 20 years old and I was just surprised how... I was really surprised at the time how popular they were because the pop music in Australia was pretty conservative. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, but suddenly there well, they were. Yeah, so what was what was popular down there in 1990? Oh, it, pop music? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. I mean... Yeah, so I mean, like, well, well as far pop- as the U.S. goes, like, Nirvana hadn't broken out yet. No, so there's still, like, yet. Guns N' Roses and, like, I don't know, Paula Abdul, shit like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, a lot of the bands that were making it big as 
pop bands were the indie bands, you know, so the cure were big, and, you know, and Talking Heads were big. Sure. Echo and yeah. Funny Men were quite big bands. So, and even earlier, back in the early 80s, you know, the new wave scene in Melbourne was pretty big. You know, these bands yeah. were hitting the charts, you know, things like The Jam and all the Cure, you know, the earlier Cure stuff. So there was some good pop music. I wasn't against the pop music at all. There was a lot of really bad pop music. And by then, by 1990, there were so many bands in my life that I just wouldn't have been paying attention to what commercial radio sure. was paying. Sure, had no, had I no hear band. that. Yeah, I gave up commercial radio around 94 after I was fully into punk rock. I'm like, I would just figure out what else to buy by looking in the punk rock, the record label catalogs, or I'd look in the liner notes of like, okay, well, who does Green Day like? And yeah. like the thank you list would be like, okay, that's what I'll buy. Yeah, I stopped listening to the radio completely, yeah, in the mid-90s. Yeah, well, by the early 90s, I'd pretty much stopped listening. Well, I've got a cassette I found recently. I thought it was gone. Um, the first, it was They Might Be Giants in a Melbourne radio station studio. It was about an hour-long interview, and they played about oh, either four or five songs live in the studio. There's some really mm. good stuff there. So, yeah, I've been, I'll get around to digitizing that and put it out there. Hey, hey was, is, this, is this the poster that you have? That's the one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's Man. And it's huge. No, it's huge. The only other poster I've got that size is Elvis Costello. I should get all my posters out again one day. Need to get a new house to do it, though. This house. Yeah. Got, this house has got a lot of windows. So. Well, no, I think that's <laughs> probably pretty nice, too. Yeah. 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 So, um, then, okay, so you had already been a fan for a long, long time when No came out, first kids album, 2002. Uh, Did you have kids of your own yet? No, I didn't. Um, Before we get to No, an important thing for me was at the end of 96 was when I moved, or the start of 97, was when I moved away from Melbourne, and okay. I, I left that I left the scene behind. You know, the old terminology, I guess. I dropped out, and I wasn't. <laughs> I just wasn't paying attention. I'd kept up with they might be giants. You know, through Apollo eighteen and John Henry and Factory Showroom, and we had the ninety five tour as well. That's right. So that was for John Henry. Um. But then I now yeah, I moved away, but I did keep up with They Might Be Giants. That'd be at Christmas time. I'd go to Melbourne and what of the family going to get me as a Christmas present or get him a record voucher. So sort of each year I'd get to go into the shops down there again and buy a few things. And I wasn't buying, I wasn't really buying much music at all by this stage. You know. The big record collection was one thing and the big CD collection was another thing. But then, you know, I was living a different lifestyle, didn't have the budget for it. And sure. so I'd go to Melbourne and you know, looking at the record shop and it's like, oh, New Day might be Giants album. So make car. Okay, so I've got that one, which yeah. I was probably lucky to get because I think it went out of, well, they stopped producing it, didn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it was on Restless, you know, not not on, yeah. you know, they were off Electra, and then they did Long Tall digitally, and then Mink Car was on Restless, which didn't have qu- quite the distribution that Electra did, obviously. Yeah, so I was probably lucky to get a copy of Mink Car when I did, and then would have been the next year, I guess, when I went down, and well, they've got an album out for, well, not for kids, it's a family album, um, so I bought a copy of that. Didn't need to have kids. I did have a goddaughter who I saw a lot, so I was able to play it to her, but I played it for myself mostly, and I loved it. I got no when I was in college. I remember I was, yeah. like, debating whether I was going to get it or not, but I'm like, oh, it's same my pajamas. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I think well, I have to get it. Oh, I loved it. It was a breath of fresh air. It was, it was like hearing the first album again. Cause it was, oh, yeah? Well, yeah. Just, if you look at the songs I know, it's like, you can't do that. You can't, you can't make a song about that. You can't, you can't do that. You know, you're especially an established rock band. You, you can't do things like that. And I love it. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, you know that is, that is true. You know, I've never heard anyone you know compare it like that. And it is unique amongst the kids' albums. And it was uncharted territory for them at the time. Yeah. So that was just kind of you know. But they hadn't locked into the. I mean, you know, the Disney albums. All the here comes the. You know, they had the themes on those, and yeah. then. Why is probably the one that's closest to know. Uh, I mean, in title yeah. and in just kind of it's more eclectic. But but yeah, 2002 and coming off of Mink Car, a very eclectic adult album, and going right into a very eclectic kids album. I believe they were recorded uh, in some of the same sessions. Yeah. Uh, if I believe. Um, but yeah, like sh- like shit like like. F- I mean, Fibber Island is such a weird opening track. I did that episode with Spencer. Parks, yeah, I told you I'm doing four of four of two will be coming out uh, three or four weeks after this one with a fellow Aussie with Belinda, uh, and then Robot Parade, and I mean, just like there's so many weird little songs. Violin is really weird. The Edison Museum is like really creepy for a kid song. <laughs> clap your hands is clap your hands is just like caveman simple. It's like who doesn't like clap your hands? Uh, I'm a grocery bag. There's, and then like the three that were intended to be like. Uh, lullabies, I guess. I don't know. La- Lazy head and sleepy bones. Whew. <laughs> when you're trying to, oh, the, yeah. trying to get the kids off to sleep, listening to bed, bed, bed. Uh, I listened I listen to Noah again yesterday, actually, for the first time in ages. And I just love the sound of the ping pong game going on in the, <laughs> the outro for bed, bed, bed. It's just a great way. It's a great percussive sound. Ping pong. Yeah. I love playing ping pong. We've got a table under the house. Uh, oh, I love ping pong. Uh, yeah, it's a really good game. I played in a high it school. It is. I played in a high school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Wow, nice. Uh, yeah, my wife kicks my ass all over the place, but she's a really good uh, tennis player, and I've gotten better playing her yeah, after her beating my ass for years. But uh, No is it is a great album in that while the songs are not no longer about depression uh, uh or you know it's a little, you know they're they're a little more lighthearted still musically it's just as wacky as mink car if not wackier yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think just then you know what it's like when you you or someone in the household just spontaneously breaks into where they might be giants oh, for whatever reason but probably the song i sing most of all is i am not your broom I am not your broom is just something that just pops into my head. The kids ask me to get something 
Yeah. Four of them. And like, I am not your broom. I am not your broom. <laughs> and it's just such a good song. I've had an, I've had enough of throwing off my chains of servitude. Uh, so no, uh, I was reading just the 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 TMBW page on the album, and it it did no debuted at number one on the Billboard the Top Kids chart okay. Okay. Uh, for that week, and it was their first and only album to hit the top spot on a Billboard chart. So Flood didn't. I mean, Flood's the most popular album. But as far as, you know, they, they, they very quickly cornered the kids' markets, like as far as rock bands, like just like really nailing that kids' album thing by not pandering and by continuing to be weird. I mean, yeah. kids are weird. Kids are weird. They might be giants to the perfect are kids' band because yeah. well, they're, yeah, they're just so, they were per- they're the perfect amount of weird. And if they just take the, uh, the dark themes out of it. It's like the music is already made for it. You know, I talk about that all the time. Every kid's song episode I do, it's like, it sounds, the music you take, you change the lyrics. It could be on one of the regular albums pretty much every time. Yeah. Well, I suppose getting to number one on billboard explains why Disney would have been so keen to throw the money at them to do it. Oh yeah. These guys are going to sell. Yeah. So let's we're we're a half hour in. I think we should get into the song and first of all, uh I think we need to go straight to the source, right? Yeah. I uh <laughs> I'll be talking to Mr. Danny Weinkoff for a charity episode. Uh it might be coming out right around this time. Maybe I'll sync him up. Um in uh July. Oh, this oh, this will probably come out first. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll I don't know. I'm very far ahead on my recordings right now for my paternity leave in July. But, um, so I emailed him, I've been emailing him back and forth a little bit, trying to figure stuff out for that. And I'm like, oh, Hey, also I'm recording an episode with Philip Lewis, uh, an Australian fan on the song. Where do they make balloons? Are there any stories or things that aren't on the wiki that, uh, you have to tell us, you could email me or leave me a voicemail. 224-801-2930. He calls me up. I see this number on like 519 area code. I think that's New York. I'm like, uh, okay. And then, so I let it go to voicemail. I'm like, oh my God, he called. He called. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and listen to Danny. Tell us, uh, confirm some things on the wiki, and he actually uh, will fill us in. I'm going to have to edit the wiki after, uh, you know, we listen to this. Check it out. Hey Greg, it's Danny Weinkoff here. Uh, I guess I have two minutes, so I'll be quick. The wiki is accurate. Um, the song did come to me in a dream, and um, uh, it was influenced certainly by uh, Brian Wilson and, and Paul McCartney. Um, the things that I remember about recording "Where Do They Make Balloons" is how encouraging uh, John and John were to me. I they uh, knew we were going to make our first children's record called "No." They offered. The idea that anybody in the band could try to write a song that might make it to the record. So I wrote, I decided to write that song. And um, they liked it, and I was hoping that they would sing it, and they really insisted that I sing it. Um, so that was, in, in the long run, I'm, I'm glad that they did, because uh, it led me to singing much, many more songs after that. Um, uh, also... Um, John, Len- John Linnell sings background vocals on it. Dan Miller plays a little bit of keyboards. Dan Hickey, who was the drummer at the time, plays drums on it. Um, Flansey actually wrote a couple of the lyrics. 
So everybody was a big part of uh, making it sound good. And uh, when I listen to it now, I can't believe how tentative the vocals are. Um, I think I was uh, very unsure of myself at the time, but um, anyway, um, it's uh, cemented in in, uh, <laughs> in audio now, so there's no going back and fixing that. But um, uh, that's about it. You know, it was it was great to to just get on board and be. That was the first song I got to write for TMBG, and led to a lot more. So um, it was a great experience. That's it. Thanks. So he says, uh, well, he, he, as far as the credits go, turns out um, Dan Miller is on the track on the credits page on the wiki. He is not listed in, on the credits. It's got Danny as the lead and backup, of course. Flans is the guitar. Linnell is the keyboard, of course. Dan Hickey on drums. Um, turns out uh, Dan Miller was playing some keyboard as well. And for being on the record, like you'll see Miller jump on keys um, live, like if there's keyboard and accordion or if Linnell's honking on a sax or a contralto clarinet, you know, Miller will get on keys. But on record, like I'm not sure. It's it's happened a few times. This may have been the first time. I mean, Miller had only been in the band for, I guess, going on five years at this point. But uh, one of them is playing because it does have like a harpsichord type sound and it has a piano sound. One of those is Miller. I guess he didn't specify, but um, if I would have to guess, uh, uh, I would guess Linnell would take the cool harpsichordy part, and maybe Miller's playing the piano part. So that's pretty cool. And then he confirms the story. So, like on the wiki, it does say that on his website, uh, he has the little blurb, and I went and looked at his site too. Uh, it sounds like a fib. But this one came to me in a dream. A couple of hundred kids were all cramped in the backyard singing the chorus. There were balloons everywhere. When I woke up, I finished this song. So that, I don't know if I even need to read that. He said exactly that and more on the uh, the thing. So what? So that was pretty cool, huh? You're like, I'm going to look for some interviews of Danny. And I'm like, well, check this out, man. <laughs> it was pretty One thing that did come up when I was looking for the interviews was his wife was pregnant at the time. So the whole thing about having a huge bunch of kids is just some <laughs> subconscious trigger yeah. there, I don't know. Kids are taking over the place. They are. <laughs> and balloons are good. Yeah, you know, we've got to remember balloons are very good. Balloons oh, are good. sure. Though, though I, I will tell you that whenever I would hate that game at birthday parties where I don't know if you guys play this one where you would have to sit on the balloon to pop it. It was some sort of race. Like there were two teams where you had to go and run to the chair and sit on and pop a balloon and run back. Next person run and pop a balloon. I hated that. Like the, this, like the anxiety of like that waiting for that. Bam. I hated that. Uh, other than that though, balloons are, you know, a pretty cool and simple childhood toy. You know, one of the simple pleasures of being a kid. Uh, the band said, Where Did They Make Balloons was written by They Might Be Giants' beloved bass player, Danny Weinkoff, who's contributed songs to most of our kids' projects. He is a huge pop music fan, and his Paul McCartney mania fuses with his Brian Wilson Nogami nicely in this track. So, yeah, he, so Danny confirmed that as well on the, the voicemail. It very much does sound like a Paul McCartney uh, little jaunty ballad. Yeah. That description sounds as well. It could be talking about you. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, that's Paul, that's Paul McCartney. I mean, Beach Boys. Yeah, I you know I love the Beach Boys more than like I grew up on uh, Paul McCartney for sure. You know, my dad, my, both of my parents loved the Beatles, and my dad was definitely a Paul McCartney. Uh, he leaned that direction. And so I've always loved Paul McCartney. Like Beach Boys, though, was something that like my parents didn't really play with Beach Boys growing up. Not that they disliked him, but I mean, I remember hearing the shit on the radio. I mean, I you know I was growing up in the '80s, so I was hearing like the dregs of the Beach Boys, like Kokomo and like that era, yeah. like, you know, where Mike Love was ruining the band. But uh, yeah, I'm very much uh, very very much in love with the Beach Boys now, just because like that 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 idea of taking big instrumentation. And and backing a pop song with it, I mean, and they might be giants to agree too. You know, you get saxophones all over the place, got stuff like accordion. There's accordions all over Pet Sounds, so like, there's a lot of uh, parallels you can make between uh, they might be giants and the Beach Boys and the Beatles. Sure, I mean, you know. Yeah, I heard a lot of Beatles growing up. It was unavoidable. Um, I heard I heard a lot of Wings. One of my sisters was into Wings, so I I got into them for a while. Beach Boys were always they were always there, but I was never into them. But since I got into music, I guess, um, the Beach Boys had enough good reputation that there was a band that I really should get into one day. I just haven't done it. There are so many bands. There are so many bands. They're a tough band to get into because the... Well, by the nature of you know Brian Wilson being... The genius of the band. I mean, they're all they were all super good musicians. All the Wilson brothers and and they're you know Mike Love is a good singer. You know, he just seemed like a bit of a dick. He is a bit of a dick. I think that's pretty well documented. Uh, and their neighbor Al Jardine, they uh, you know they started out with just like these super sunny songs and like even before they worked up to Pet Sounds, they started working in like these more detailed arrangements and key changes and all these kind of things that other pop groups weren't really doing. I mean, on par with like the Beatles and like, you know, there's that well-documented uh, uh, story about the Beatles and the Beach Boys trying to one-up each other um, with, uh, you know, Re- Revolver and then Pet Sounds and then Sgt. Pepper's and then smile and i don't know if you know the whole story about smile but like brian wilson's health his mental health deteriorating deteriorated the band i mean it's it's the band didn't break up but essentially he went from like the controlling artistic uh you know vision for the band to being like the guy that they could drag out of his house to get to do backing vocals or whatever so like there was a severe decline in quality then he started getting a little better and you know was finding the help he needed and then you know the uh, the later 70s he started coming back more into the songwriting and they had some better albums and then kind of disappeared again and it's just like it's a roller coaster so like you know i mean pet sounds and smile like the smile sessions is a really really good listen and even like it sounds weird to say like to get into a box set as like someone who's not really even into the band but like the pet sounds 40th anniversary box set has like all these acapella tracks like they they isolate the vocals they have instrumental tracks so you can really hear like all that went into these songs like a song you're like oh it's just a pop song you know wouldn't it be nice but you hear just them singing and you know they're all singing in a room you got the lead vocal guy on one mic you know wilson or whoever it is Brian Wilson or whoever is lead on that song 
And then the other guys just crowded around a mic, and you're like, God damn, these guys can sing. Like, it's amazing, the vocal arrangements. And then you listen to the instrumentals, and you're like, God damn, these guys, like, Brian Wilson's vision, and they have all these outtakes of him in the studio, too, where he's, like, telling the French horn guy, you know, to play a little louder or whatever. Like, it's really interesting. Um, and just, like, hearing them at their peak, like, it's really sad to know what happened. And, you know, his, it was very sad what he went through. But uh, they're a weird band to get into because there is a lot of mediocre to decent stuff. And then just like this like peak pop rock songwriting stuff. It's, 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 it's a, it was a pretty crazy ride, their, uh, their, their career. But I digress. Danny is obviously a huge Beach Boys fan too. I think the song sounds more like a McCartney's, like a, like a Beatles song than, uh, than a Beach Boys song. But the vocals maybe, the vocals maybe a little bit Beach Boys, how he harmonizes himself. Um, what are your favorite parts about the the uh, before we talk about the the fun lyrics? What are your favorite things about the music? We talk about it's got dual dueling keyboards. Uh, what 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 do you like best about it? It's just one of those beautiful pop songs. It could be it could be done by lots of different bands. You could imagine, and you could imagine it being a Beatles song. And if you change the lyrics. It could be huge. It, I'd always thought that, yeah, if this song wasn't a They Might Be Giant song and if it had some more sensible lyrics, I guess, um, <laughs> you know, that, that, that could, it could be a hit. It's just a really, really I, nice I, It could be a Ringo song. I mean, Ringo sang about weirder things. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. But, um, it's just a beautiful pop song, and which made it stand out on the No album because that's not full of beautiful pop songs. Yeah, it's full of weird songs. It's not full of beautiful pop songs. Um, it is at, at two minutes and 41 seconds, which is not a long song by any stretch. It is quite long for uh, the album. Yeah. Yeah, for, the, for this album especially. I mean, there's a couple. The ones at the end, the lullaby songs, they drag on a little more. But, yeah, they're all right around two minutes. And it is, yeah, other than the lullaby songs, it's the longest song on the album. Yeah, um, okay. yeah, but I mean, he's got a lot of cool lyrics in there, and kind of the mid-tempo thing. It kind of stretches out a little bit. I mean, two minutes and forty seconds. It's it's about the length of a Beatles, you know, single, right? That's you know, yep. at least the early Beatles. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's uh, the the melody is just so catchy. I mean, lyrics aside, again, it could have been another a different "They Might Be Giant" song, but. The boys, the Johns there, they only let the other guys write for the kids' songs. I mean, how how much would you like to hear, like, at least, like, one Weinkoff song per adult album? I mean, don't you think he could kick it with those guys at this point? What I'd prefer to hear would be the Danny Weinkoff solo album for adults. He's got the material. He's got the, he's got the material there. I remember reading that years ago. That he's got plenty of material he could use, but um, yeah, it's another it's another project. It's another project, isn't it? Yeah, that could have been an IFC thing, right? He he, he finally <laughs> comes out with his his, his pandemic adult. His, yeah, Danny Wankoff after dark. He's oh. uh, my kids are grown up. I mean, I think his daughter might be still in high school, but his son is in college. 
Probably close to finishing college. Do it as another Kickstarter. Sure, man. The, I, the fandom would definitely help you press up some some CDs for an adult. It'd sell so lots and lots and lots of copies. I'd say. Oh, definitely. He's got he's got much love in the in the fan base. Yeah. You know, he's he's a very very likable guy. Um, and yeah, it was. I mean, this was such a big deal to him. Like he said in the voicemail, it's like. He talks about being so tentative with the vocals. I think the yeah. vocals sound great. Um, but I, I do remember hearing it the first time, you know, putting it on. You know, I'm in college. I guess I would have been probably a junior when this came out. So I'm like, you know, 18. Or no, I would. I guess I would have been like probably 20. And I remember hearing it, I'm like, who the hell is that? Yeah. I was like, what is that? Who is that? And like, he kind of sings, you know, he's kind of got like a British affectation to his voice. And on some songs, he leans into it like yep. this one, especially like he, it's like, he's trying to sound like McCartney a little bit or something. Um, and I was like, who the hell is this? I'm like, this song's kind of cool, but like, is this even, they might be giants. <laughs> you know, I was like, didn't realize what was going on there. And, you know, looked in the CD book. I'm like, Oh, okay. Cause like, I didn't know this band member, the other band members super well. Cause like, I mean, they'd only settled into the band of Dan's, you know, not that long before that. Yeah. And, you know, we know the band so well at this point because Weinkoff's been in for 24, 24 years. Yeah. 97, right? So that's that's nuts. Most bands don't last that long, <laughs> let alone have a second life with a whole other band that lasts that long. It's uh, yeah. It's nuts. But this was his first song to sing lead i mean he played bass in the in the band lincoln uh after being a physical therapist <laughs> he was played bass in wedding bands then he played bass in lincoln and then he played bass in name of giants but this was his first lead vocal and i think as far as like your like debut <laughs> pop <laughs> rock song that you wrote i think he did pretty well <laughs> yeah. that's why they let him use that song if they if the Johns didn't think that song was good enough for their standards. It wouldn't be on the album, but it's clearly good enough. Marmalades from Scotland, rugs from Pakistan. Mexico has jumping beans and cars are from Japan. Clowns are from the circus, barking comes from dogs. Eggs come from a chicken and lock heavens come from logs. Can you imagine an alternate take where one of the Johns sings it, like he said? How weird would that be? Would that work? Yeah, would that work? I don't even know if I can get my head around that. Um, I know. I think if it was going to be one of I think it would have to be Flans. Yeah. yeah but case, I... The voice is just too distinctive. Um, yeah, I think Flans would just fit better for the 60s style, but I, it's weird to think about at this point because, yeah... The song's almost twenty years old. Yeah. And Flans hmm. and Flans wrote a couple of the lyrics. Yes, right. He a did say of, that. So a couple of the lyrics. I, I, when I when I heard, he that, didn't say I, which ones. But wondering, yeah. I was just wondering automatically which ones, which ones. Um, I know, I know, I know. I feel like something like barking comes from dogs <laughs> would have been something that Flans comes up <laughs> talking yeah. about. All these, you know, cars are made in Japan. But yeah. barking, it's like barking is manufactured by dogs. Something just about, uh, something about it is just so funny. Like, all this stuff comes from this place or was invented in this place or whatever. But then barking, that was invented <laughs> by dogs. <Yeah. laughs> and log cabins come from logs. I don't know. Yeah. 
Let's talk about these lyrics then. Yeah, look at the lyrics. I took some notes. I sat down last night and just went through it line by line and did a little bit of a fact check. And then All I right, noticed, what do you got? And then oh, I, fact check? Okay. And then I noticed this morning when I checked the interpretations on the wiki that someone else had already done what I did, but I've got a few. Well, I've got a still. few points. I've got plenty of points there that they didn't mean, um, they didn't mention. Sure. Okay, so marmalade from Scotland. I've got yes, but the ingredients came from Spain. Um, in 1700, there was a storm damaged Spanish ship, and they took refuge in Dundee Harbour. This James. Keeler, a down-on-his-luck local merchant, bought the oranges cheaply, and his wife turned it into a preserve. So, huh. That's wow. Where, so, yeah, 1700 is when my Wow, I can't came. believe they have it narrowed down to a specific person and his wife that invented it. Well, I mean, you can't grow, wow. you can't grow oranges in Scotland because it's too cold. No. So, <laughs> all their ingredients have to come from somewhere else. Um, but yeah, it seems odd that they, I mean, they must have really gone for it. For that to be in the historical record, they must have really, yeah. really gone for marmalade when it first appeared. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, rugs from Pakistan. Um, mm-hmm. Persian carpets are the most famous. And right. Rugs. And Oriental, famous. Oriental rugs as well. Iran, which... Afghanistan, India, Turkey, Pakistan, and Nepal, no, Nepal and China. So Pakistan is uh-huh. the fourth largest producer of rugs. Well, but, there you go. But if you did it, if you put India instead of Pakistan in a song, then India wouldn't rhyme with Japan later on. So Pakistan exactly. is the one to use. Um, Mexico has jumping beans. <laughs> I didn't know. I've, you know. I've had jumping beans in my head since I was a kid. You saw them in, in cartoons, and, and you, right. you assume that they're actually beans of some sort, but they're not. It's a seed. Um, a moth larvae burrows inside the seed pod, it, and it and it curl as it curls up and uncurls, it hits the capsule wall with its head, and that makes the bean <laughs> jump. <laughs> so, yeah, so Mexico does have jumpy beans. That's so crazy. Cars are from Japan. Well, these days, biggest producers are China, US, and Japan. Um, clowns come from the circus. Apparently, the, the <laughs> fifth dynasty of Egypt, about 20, uh, 2400 BC. I don't know, it must have been, uh, hier- <laughs> been hieroglyphics with clowns in it, I guess. So. <laughs> but, but we know they do also come from the circus. Barking comes from dogs. Okay, what makes the dogs bark? Excitement, attention, and food seeking. Boredom, yeah. Fear, anxiety. Boredom, God, boredom. Yeah. That's why our, why yeah. our dog barks. Yeah. Fear, anxiety, territory, pain, surprise, and dementia. <laughs> if, if <laughs> well, dog, maybe that's why our dog is barking. If your dog gets dementia, it'll probably bark more. Most con- <laughs> What's most going on? Yeah. I mean, the most controversial line in the song is "Eggs come from a chicken." 
do they? What? Or, or, well, <laughs> or is it vice versa? The eggs come from the chicken, or the chicken Which come from came eggs. from first, we will, yeah. We will never know what came first. It's the circle chicken of life. Or the egg, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> log, the, the best line in the song, log cabins come from logs. I mean, the one. first time I heard it, you don't just laugh out loud. It's just such a great line. Log cabins come from logs. Uh, in America, the Finns and the Swedes along the banks of the Delaware River in the 1630s, apparently, is where they come from. Uh, New York has tall buildings. Yeah, okay. We know that. True. New Jersey has its malls. <laughs> and I, had to look, I had to look this up. <laughs> and I was looking it up. To the point, it's obviously such a famous mm. thing that says, TripAdvisor have got a list of the best malls in New Jersey. I didn't look at it, but that's, yeah. They had the highest concentration of shopping centers oh, in the wow. world. Oh, wow. Something like that. It was just yeah, I... Th- <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, I it's it's funny that it's it's such a funny diss there to just throw that in because <laughs> it's like you know as New Yorkers, yeah, ev- everyone's got to look down on on somebody around them just you know for fun, if not not in a hateful way, but kind of like yeah. oh yeah, it's you know people. I'm in Indiana. It's like a people from Kentucky, man, they're hillbillies. But then people in Illinois are like, people from Indiana, they're hillbillies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone, you know, so like in New York, it's like, oh, New Jersey, that's just like New York overflow. That's just like spillover <laughs> suburbs, everything, just all these malls. But I mean, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs and there were a shit ton of malls. Malls are kind of going the way, malls are kind of going the way of the dodo. Like they're kind of out of vogue. Now what they do are uh, outlet malls, which is basically... The same thing. It's just, oh, look, I'm outside walking around, and each store is like a specific brand. So if you really like, well, like for me, I really like Vans shoes. If there's a Vans store, I'm all about it. But otherwise, like if you're not looking for a specific brand and you're just looking for pants or whatever, it's pretty annoying. But everything's online anyway, so, you know. We're, we're, both, we're both of the, the age that... Uh, you know, we used to have to go to stores. I don't. I just don't go shopping. I, yeah. Well, I'm I mean, very, we used to. The, the, we used we to, remember yeah. the day yeah. where you had to leave the house to buy something. And you walk yeah. you, you walk around the streets in the fresh air. Well, not the fresh air, but you walk around the streets <laughs> in the open air. And there's all sorts of interesting things to buy. But now I just don't buy anything. I just order online and check the mailbox every now and then and that's it that's my shopping yeah. done okay yeah, um, yeah I've, I'm, I'm not saying i don't like it i'm just saying like you know there's something nice about well okay instrument shopping and record shopping like uh, those are the things i like to browse because if you're looking for there's something fun about crate digging for vinyl yeah and there and there's something fun about like if you're looking for a new guitar being able to be like oh well what's that feel like pull it down <laughs> off the wall and they'll let yeah. you plug it in, you know. That's that's the way to go. Yeah, for me, it was always record shops and bookshops. Just spent so yep. many hours, and I, I could do it again now. Yeah, bookshops. Oh, yeah. I mean, bookshops, too. Like, my wife's more of the literature person, but I love going through and just digging. Like, especially there's a really cool place uh, in town here that has, like, 
a really sprawling kind of not disorganized but like it's not a chain store it's like a yeah. local place like it feels very much like someone's like personal library or something that you're just kind of looking through and then they have a basement with like the older and crazier <laughs> stuff and you go down there yeah. and you're like feels like you're in some mad scientist's lair with all of their little secret texts it's pretty fun to go kill some time there yeah uh so let's see where were we uh Pete, the leading tower of pizza um, yeah, yeah so was it late 20th century they were working on it it was weird they they were taking soil out from the high side of the tower and, <laughs> and i don't know how they were doing it without making it fall but they were taking the soil out from fairly deep and putting it on to the other side and apparently they made it, they got it to lean back by 19 inches, back the other way. They, they reversed the lean. Um, <laughs> 19 inches. Yeah, that's good, pretty significant with the building. I, mean, yeah. I think it's inevitable that it will fall one day. The rocks will turn to dust. Eventually the rocks will turn to dust. Oh, sure. Or one, you know, one strategic piece of rock will fall to turn to dust and the whole thing will come down. Or there'll be an earthquake. Apparently, a slightest earth tremor will bring it down now, so it will come down. Yeah, um, it survives quite a few of them, apparently. The ocean. Well, actually, it doesn't look like there's been that many. I was saying only four strong earthquakes have hit the region since 1280, so that's okay. really, that's not many. That's not many. <laughs> yeah, that's four too yeah. many. Four too many. I can't like the idea of earthquakes. We get cyclones and potentially get floods, but earthquakes, nah, don't need that. Um, no. well, what have we got? The ocean has the fishes. Yeah, rivers, <laughs> they're, also in, they're also in rivers and lakes, but most of them are in the ocean because the ocean's bigger <laughs> than all the lakes. Um, London has its tower. Which tower? There's the White Tower, the Bloody Tower, the Wakefield Tower, the Beauchamp Tower, Martin Tower, Salt Tower, Bell Tower. There's all yeah, the one that always came to mind for me was Big Ben, but that's like, I mean, yeah. it's a yeah, it's a clock tower. Yeah. No, it's he's a, not very specific. No, it's the Tower of London. Tower, tower of London. The, tower the of London, uh, but the Tower of isn't that got thirteen towers in it? So right, like, that's like the old uh, prison, right? Yeah. So yeah, so people would castle. People would disappear there. Some of them would be beheaded inside the walls but apparently more but apparently more often than not the beheadings would just be up on a hill so more people could see it yeah because that's fun yeah. uh, i did actually you know i've been to the tower i've been to the tower of london yeah, uh but that was when i was that was 19 years ago so i yeah. i do oh. remember i do remember there being big ass ravens roaming around yeah, the property that's right. and, and when the ravens leave is when the monarchy falls Apparently, that's the legend. If the ravens uh, yeah. are no longer, yeah, I think if the ravens are no longer in the Tower of London, that's the end of the monarchy. So they make sure they just breed them up and got got them in living in a box in a cell or somewhere, ready to release them when one dies. Yeah. Um, the windmills, yeah, Holland. Windmill, Holland gets windmills, three things: windmills, bicycles, and pretty flowers. The windmills were. <laughs> first in the 13th century and they used them for grinding grain into flour bicycles this is weird it's got it's 
most bicycles per capita in the world. Wow. Three times more than Denmark, which is second. But it said, it can't be true, but it said 99.1% of the population are cyclists. And it's like, how? 99.1%. Mm. I mean, there's a certain age under which you can't ride a bicycle. And there's a certain age, yeah. certain age above which you can't really ride a bicycle. I mean, if you're 95 years old, are you still riding a bike around? Probably not. But right. So maybe it's, but yeah, 99.1 of the population. But there are lots of bikes, so he's right. Um, pretty, yeah. pretty flowers. They export more than 3 billion tulips annually. So, tulips, yeah. I like a good tulip. Um, oh, we got some in the yard. Right. The interpretation I read on the wiki said, tulips aren't pretty, or something along the lines of, tulips aren't pretty flowers. And it's like, ah, oh, yes, they are. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, tulips are great. Yeah, I've got no problem with tulips. What's your, yeah, what's your problem with tulips? Spaghetti. Yeah. Marco Polo may have bought spaghetti back from China to Italy. I thought he did. I thought it was well known that Marco Polo bought pasta back to Italy from China, but apparently that's that is disputable. But um, oh, okay. I think the disputable thing is that Italians make it best. Now, I love a good spaghetti, but, like, I love me some lo mein, some pad thai, some pad, any of that, any of the, the Thai noodles. I love rice noodles. So uh, delicious. Yeah. I'm big on Asian food, so. Yeah, the point I made on the Italians make it best was, no, I think most people would probably say their mum makes it the best. <laughs> their mum makes Italian. Their Italian yeah, mum yeah. makes the best spaghetti. Um, apparently, according to Greek mythology, the god Vulcan created spaghetti. He, <laughs> he I know he, he invented a device that was used for making strings of dough, and the strings were the first spaghetti. So, yeah. So he's great. Yeah, the Greeks and the Italians. Uh, it's probably just a Roman Greek Empire dispute. I'm sure they'll sort it out one day. Um, <laughs> Italians make it best. Oh, okay. Ant hills. Ants make ant hills. They can be up to three foot tall if <laughs> if they're doing it in, if they're doing it in clay. Unlike termites, termites make huge. Mounds. Yeah. We, we have huge, termite, oh, yeah. huge termite mounds just a bit west of where we live. They're just gigantic. And they're still not anywhere wow. like the biggest, not like the biggest in the world, but they're huge. But ants, ants are good. We've got one of my, my oldest son's got a good ant colony going in his bedroom. Just gets oh, bigger nice. and, gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, it all started from well, sitting there one night reading to him at bedtime, and an ant. Landed on the windowsill, and he picked it up and put it in a test tube. And here we are, a few years later, with <laughs> thousands. Of oh ads wow! From that so he didn't plane. even do it from a kit. Not, didn't buy one of those not, kits. Not, well, we've homegrown. Yeah, well, well, we've homegrown. We bought the equipment. You buy the equipment through Ads Ads Canada. Ads Canada is the place to get all that. They've got so much stuff for sale. Yeah, we've we've watched a lot of ant videos on YouTube. Over the, <laughs> over the last four have or five you ever years. seen? 
The Weird Al movie UHF. Though. No, no. Because oh man, <laughs> there's a fake like animal guy show Raul's Wild Kingdom, and he's like he's looking at his ant farm. He's like he spent weeks and weeks making these intricate little tunnels, <laughs> and oh yeah, they really hate it when you do this. <laughs> <laughs> See, they're really mad now. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of respect for Weird Al's career, but I've never been a fan because of sure. because of Beta. See, I'm, I'm old enough that I had to put up with um, I had to put up with Beta for Michael Jackson, and you know, and, that uh-huh. was, and here, you know, here was the that was the enemy, you know. To the young punk. Michael Jackson was the enemy. Oh, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. he was the enemy through the eighties. Yeah. So we had to put up with hearing that song because Beat It was huge, and it was just sure. Yeah, you know, it was number one for two years or something ridiculous. And then we get we finally get over that, and then Weird Al comes along with Eat It, which was also a really, really, really big hit. And so yeah, yeah that just started me off on the long foot with Weird Al. So I never got into it. And the the joke, the, the joke yeah, you were. I think you were too cool by the time he was breaking out. To, yeah. Well, the you joke, know, I was a the kid. Joke was, the joke was funny, and it's yeah, you know, like comedy records. The jokes are funny, but oh, okay. How many times is too many? So yeah, so I, I didn't get off on the light foot, but I loved what he. I loved his. They might be giants. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everything. Everything. You, everything he does. That's just a really good song. Yeah, he absolutely nailed that. Yeah. Uh, what are we up to? The ants. ants? Oh. Monkeys make a mess. Um, yeah. This, I'd, oh, I'd say that's accurate. The monkeys making mess was next, was it? Yeah, I know. I mean, monkeys. Yeah. yeah, I looked at that, and there's all these sites telling you that why monkeys make bad pets. And it's like, yeah, okay. They're, just, <laughs> they're, they're not good pets. They're too messy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I must have gone out of order somewhere along here because the next thing I had uh, was hungry, hungry. isn't okay. hungry. Yeah, okay, this figure, this is really depressing actually. 6th of June, 6th of June 2019, 33.6% of Hungarian children are facing famine in their lives. UNICEF and UNICEF say 50,000 Hungarian children starve every day. They can't, they can't be starving to death every day because that's going to wipe out the population in a couple of months. But, yeah, they must be hungry every day. And 200,000 rarely have the chance to eat. And then I didn't go into this. Yeah, I know. It's still quite depressing. Now, I didn't go into detail on this one, but uh, there was a headline from 1945 saying wholesale famine seems unavoidable this winter. So, yeah, end of World War Two in Hungary. Wasn't looking good. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't looking well, good for them. A lot of European countries yeah. were hurting at the end of World War Two. Yeah, I know. Damn. So, so I don't. You know, Danny was not really. He just was playing on those no, no, words. No, hungry. Why, God? How could you? And it's hungry, so insensitive. And hungry for the hungry. children. So the kids. That's the sort of thing kids say. You know, the kid hears there's a country called hungry a child is going to say well why are they why is it called hungry are they always hungry or something well you better go to turkey (laughs) get some turkey well they come from north america we've got turkeys here we're we're surrounded by turkey oh you do yeah it's a different type of turkey the australian brush turkey 
But um, okay, they can fly. If it, I've seen dogs chase them, and they can fly up into the trees. They're very clumsy flyers, but they can do it, and they can't fly right. any great distance. But they sure. can't fly. They can dance. They do their mating dance. <laughs> so, but yeah, apparently, I didn't realise that turkeys were from North America. It's sort of well, yeah. Just makes sense yep. why it's such a big thing at Thanksgiving, but yeah, apparently yep. that's where they do originate from. Oh, we skipped French fries. French fries were they're, well, they're, they're not French. That's the first thing about French fries. If they're not French, they were, they're Belgian. Belgium, yeah. And it's apparently like introduced to the French by Belgian soldiers in the Franco-Austrian War of eighteen fifty-nine. And then sometime, when was Thomas Jefferson alive? When was he around? 1770s is, you know, oh, the right. revolution. Okay. Oh, well, then. then Thomas that- Jefferson was right after that. So, yeah, so like uh, late 1700s, early 1800s. Okay, so that thing about the war must have been wrong because apparently Thomas Jefferson went to France and had some and he called them French fries when he got home and the name stuck. Ah. So, ah. Uh, history, wow. history wars. There's a lot of history wars in the world at the moment. Um, the first coloured balloons. This is. I don't know why I did this note, but I just did. The first coloured balloons were sold. Oh, I know why I did it now. Uh, first coloured balloons were sold in the 1930s at the Chicago World Fair. So it was because, no, of, the, because, because of the World Fair. Um, so that's where they make balloons in Chicago. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's the final answer we're looking for in the song, isn't it? Where do balloons, where do they make balloons? Though I'm looking right now, balloon on Wikipedia. The rubber balloon was invented by Michael Faraday in 1824, experimenting with various gases. He invented invented them for use in the lab, so not as their own thing, but to use to fill with gases. And this dude's, uh, he's... Uh, he was born in Newington Butts, England. <laughs> he's he's British, yeah. yeah. Newington Butts. butts. Sounds with the word, beautiful. With the word butts in it is, gets a laugh. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it smells lovely. Answers.com, someone had put in the question, where do balloons come from? And the answer was balloon factories. What were you expecting when a mummy balloon and a daddy balloon love each other very much? Very helpful. Very helpful. Where is it? There was an answer on that from Danny Weinkoff somewhere. Was that in one of the links I sent you, maybe? Um, Oh. um... So we're talking about it and Danny came out with, oh, don't quote me exactly, but it was along the lines of, well, I, you know, I like to think that balloons are made by pixies and elves at the North Pole or something like something along those. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And that's coming straight from Danny Weintop. Um, so that's that song. There you go. So that's, that's, that's the truth. Hungry isn't hungry and French fries aren't from France. Turkeys aren't from Turkey. They can't fly, but they can dance. It's a good song. It's a very funny song, and that's you always want that from They Might Be Giants. 
Uh, Let's listen to these live versions. I want to hear this one. Yeah. So I found one, and you found one. Yours is actually yep. the one that's earlier. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and it's got some T-Bone in it. I'm going to assume it's Stan Levine, but I can't really tell no, from the video. It's not the greatest quality video. Nah, but I think it's worth playing a little clip. So yeah. this is, uh, or it was, up, it was uploaded October 2007 uh, by Silly McTilly on YouTube. Let's check this out. They're playing in front of a Target banner. <laughs> Mexico is So what I noticed about this one is, in the two live versions, and the next one we're going to see is a little later. Here you got Danny is playing acoustic guitar. Yeah. And check out who's playing bass. Is it Flansburg? No, Miller switched to bass. Miller's got bass. So, okay. yeah. So I think they just like you're like here, take my guitar, <laughs> and they just flip flop. And Flans is still over. Uh, you know, Linnell and Flans are doing their normal thing. And then the T-Bone there. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's Levine, but uh, I could ask him when I talk to him in a couple of weeks. <laughs> He's going to be on the electric car episode. All the way from the back of the stage coming to the front of the stage right now, ladies and gentlemen, give a warm round of applause for Brooklyn, New York. It's Mr. Danny Wonkoff. This next one, the one that I found a little bit better quality because it's from 2013. Yeah. So this must have been... They were playing some of these, I'm guessing, for the 10th anniversary reissue of No, is what I'm guessing. Okay, November yeah. 2013. Yeah, November 2013. Uh, this is at UCLA Royce Hall in Los Angeles. Uh, oh, uh, it was performed October 26, 2013. And we can listen to this one here. You got Danny just sticking to bass, and he's, he's doing the red pants thing. He wasn't doing the red <laughs> pants back in 2007 because uh, he hadn't written any kids' songs yet. Um and well he got known for the red pants and that became an obvious name for the kids band song but i don't know what year he started rocking those but it wasn't until the the 2010s i believe So here you got Miller sticks to the acoustic and Nanny sticks on the bass. And um, both of these versions do have Marty in them. I couldn't find any live versions with with Dan Hickey, who is the drummer on the album. Um, yeah, there was, but, no, yeah, there was so, nothing. I, mean, I was looking for something from 2002 or 2003, and I couldn't find anything there like that. No, they were busy. No. <laughs> they were quite busy at the time. So let's get to the covers. I like this one. Like you said, it only has six views because I remember popping over to it. Yeah. And like seven, seven views. I'm view number seven. This is Carla Campen. Yeah. So, yeah, you get full credit for finding these covers there. The only thing I did was yeah, find okay. the... I got Danny to send us a voicemail and found that one live thing. Hey, so you, that helped a lot. Carla, Carla hey, Campin. Yeah, yeah, you set up the podcast. All I did was find some links. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, let's listen to uh, Carla Campin. She gives a little introduction there and sets it up. I'll play a little bit of that. I'm giving her her first thumbs up. 
So we can't really go outside, you know, traveling too far because we're all in. So I thought it would be a good idea to bring the places to you. So we're going to start off. This song is called, Where Do They Make Blues? So I wrote some of the verses up there. And if you don't see them, just know that the chorus is where, but where, where do they make balloons? So let's do this together. Marmalades from Scotland, rocks from Pakistan. Mexico has jumping beans and cars are from Japan. Clowns are from the circus, barking comes from dogs. Eggs come from chickens and log cabins come from logs. But where, where do they make balloons? So it's a very competent cover. I mean, I think that that's nice about it. It's a very kind of warm, inviting cover. You know, she plays it... Um, Almost in like a mothering kind of way, very sweet. Yeah. Well, when was it? When did she post it? I haven't got. Oh, uh, it's a year ago. It was a year ago. So yeah, pan, it's just, just a year ago. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, because you've been since that. She seems to be showing a lot of concern for people, and just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mothering. they have windmills, lots of bikes, and pretty flowers. Now the uncles. the uncles. You popped over yeah. to Bandcamp and found the uncles released on Christmas Day, twenty eighteen. Uh, <laughs> you have a little note there about the vocals too. They had nothing. They had. They had nothing. Yeah, they had nothing better to do that. I, I well, it says songs for Logan. I'm guessing these two like young looking guys that they have a nephew named Logan, and it's like maybe that's the first time they were in, they were uncles, okay. and so they recorded some songs. And uh, it looks like Logan's Christmas present. See, yeah, Logan's Christmas present, right? How do they, where do they make balloons? We got Henry the Eighth, this little light of mine, uh, Baby Beluga, Rafi classic, right? Uh, and a couple other ones. It's, uh, I mean, they're having fun. Let's listen to it. Yeah. New York has tall buildings. New Jersey has its malls. Pisa has a leaning tower. Will it ever fall? The ocean has the fishes. London has a tower. In Holland, they have windmills, lots of bikes, and pretty flowers. But where? Yeah, they're just having fun. They probably threw this down in like a day. <laughs> this whole record. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. They don't give Weinkoff any credit on it. They don't. The credits aren't very extensive. You gotta say who you're covering, man. Yeah, sure. It's it, the spirit. The spirit of it is there. You want to set up the next ones? You found them. What was the next one? I haven't got that list in front of me. Monkey bastard hands. <laughs> Doing a kid's song with a name like that, 
Yeah. I dig it. And the, the, <laughs> the photo is, is very creepy on the SoundCloud. Yeah. Uh, so you probably just should search Monkey Bastard Hands because they don't have a good URL here. Um, yeah. Yeah. 35 plays on this. I'll give it a like. Why not? Um, well, this, <laughs> this one is interesting. What do you make of this one? Yeah, I enjoyed this one. I did enjoy this one. I think overall they do a good job of it. The spirit I, of the songs there. Yeah, but I think this is also maybe the only one that's it's performed like as a song, but maybe not necessarily as a kid song. Like it's uh, yeah, a little weird, right? I mean, as the name in the yeah. photo might imply, there's also these really low vocals that come in that are a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> And then let's see the last one. Krista, how do you pronounce that? Krista True. Krista True. Yeah, Chris, Krista Triu. Krista Triu. Um, and then it says, yeah, so soundcloud.com slash Krista. Yeah, K R I S T A T R I E U. And it says the description says Siamese Connection featuring pickle juice cover. They might be giants. So let's listen to that one. <laughs> What, what do you think of this one? Yeah, this one, it's just really laid back lyrics. I really like the way she sings it. Um, is, it is it just a New Yorker? Because it's from New York, isn't it? I think this one's come out of New York. From memory, I, I, did, I did see that somewhere. Where was that? Yeah, New York, United States. Yeah, New York. And so it's Krista Triu. Krista Triu. So that's yeah. what it says, Krista Triu. Krista Triu and Mary Westlake. So it's two ladies harmonizing themselves. They do some cool kind of like, um, well, it's got ukulele, but they do some kind of like uh, doo-wop band tricks where like, like little vocal bass runs and stuff, Yeah, uh, which is fun. I like that one. It's a good version. And then I think we have something to play that's a parody of this song. Is that correct? Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if I'd use that word, but I suppose I Really? Um, well, you took the song and you changed the word, right? What yeah, would you call it? Well, it, that's, the parody suggests that you're making fun of something. And I'm not making fun oh, of no, no, so no, fun no, of it doesn't. Okay. Weird Al doesn't make fun of his songs. Okay. He honors his songs. Okay, then we'll call it a parody, if you must. Um, yeah, it's sort of weird. Tell it's, us about your project. You're, you're, you do a lot of these. Okay, yeah, I do a lot of them. They might be Corunda. Set then, it up. This is uh, your plug. Okay, well, too early. The very beginning of 2012, I hadn't bought any They Might Be Giants albums at that stage since no. So I had a, well, at that stage of nine, just over a nine-year gap, turned it 
eventually it was a 10-year gap between me buying albums. So No was my latest album there for quite a while. And I had kids in... My eldest son was born in 2006 and then the next one in 2009. And they were huge on the Wiggles. The Wiggles were our... Yeah. The big band was unavoidable <laughs> everywhere. You go into a supermarket and they're surrounded by wiggles. But I still, <laughs> I, I played, I played them no from time to time. We we enjoyed no, but it was, I never pumped it into them. Yeah. And then Christmas 2011, we went down to Melbourne and then onto Tasmania to visit both extended families and it was a big trip and you know they get a lot of new experiences and then start of 2012 we've got home it's a nice relaxing day at home i'm not back at work yet and i think eden was due to start school in a few weeks time and i was just we're just hanging around at home, and he just seemed really smart all of a sudden. And I put it down to the big trip, you know, the whole travel board into mind, and it makes kids grow up faster. And the difference between the way he was then and the way he had been a month earlier was pretty vast. He just seemed really smart. Mm. And I wandered off downstairs to do something and then walked back up the stairs, and he came up to me. And in the most polite voice he'd ever used, he said, Daddy, please can I watch cartoons? And, <laughs> and I just sang it straight back at him. I just sang it straight back at him to the tune of Where Do They Make Balloons? Uh-huh. And, then, yeah. and then said, yeah, of course you can, and went off and watched cartoons. But, of course, <laughs> that put the worm into my ear, so... Where do they make balloons? Was just going round and round my head, and yeah, I got the song and I took all the words out of it and I put it into <laughs> it, turned it into an exaggerated song about a child prodigy. And I'm not suggesting, yeah, I'm not suggesting for a minute that he's any child prodigy, although he's pretty smart. Um, and then I sent it off to a local magazine and published it on the poetry page of a local magazine. I added an extra verse. Oh, wow. I added an extra yeah. verse because, well, all that was going to use was a little bit of extra ink. It wasn't going to sort of bore anyone by making the song longer or anything. And it was never going to be a song. And I published it as a poem and that was that. And then, and then, and then a couple of months later, I thought, well, I should acknowledge the guy who wrote the song and sort of let him know what I've done with him. So, so I look up, so I didn't know Daddy Winecoff at that stage, I had no idea. So I looked him up and sent an email off to Red Pants Music and let him know what I'd done. I think I sent the words and he replied, you know, thanks for sharing sort of thing. And then that was that. And then, well, many, a couple of years later, I finished up because of another project I was working on, I went into a recording studio and recorded it. And I love it. I think it's a really good song. <laughs> it's fun, yeah. I did all the equations of Einstein yesterday. It wouldn't make the best career, but boy, it's fun to play. 
analyze philosophies while practicing the hop. Then conquer all religions, raise my hat, applaud and laugh. So please, please can I watch cartoons? My head is full of Shakespeare, he lived in the past. Although I have to wonder if he really wrote that fast. I've conquered astrophysics, quantum physics too And built a weightless rocket ship to take us to the moon So please, please can I watch cartoons So please, please Now the thing I wanted to say for last is we had a custom cover sent our way by two all-stars of the They Might Be Giants fan community cover artists Kai Pfeiffer and Daryl Till, aka Astral B. These two dudes, I had asked, you know, if if, if there's songs you think don't have a whole lot of covers, which this one really didn't, um, at least not any elaborate covers. Like, send me some covers. So they they've been sending me a lot of good ones. They both sent me ones for uh, Thunderbird, uh, for example. Okay. But here they decided to team up, and I think it's the first time they've ever collaborated together. So, so did, I think did they, without f- did they team up by themselves, or did you encourage that? The, it was they they kept they, it secret from me till oh, almost the last second. Even better. Yeah. Even yeah. Better. Right. Uh, right, yeah. They're just like I can imagine them just secretly planning it. They're like, "Oh, Greg wants covers for us. Well, let's combine our powers." So, without further ado, let's listen to "Where They Make Balloons" by uh, Kai and Daryl. Marmalades from Scotland, rooks from Pakistan, Mexico has jumping and cars are from Japan Clowns are from the circus Barking comes from dogs Eggs come from the chicken And like cabins come from logs But where Where do they make balloons But where Where do they make balloons New York has tall buildings Jersey has its malls Pisa has a leaning tower Will it ever fall? The ocean has the fishes London has a tower In Holland they have windmills Lots of bikes and pretty flowers So what what do you think of that? Uh, well, clearly the best cover. I think it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the better they might be giants covers. This doesn't sound like something they've just thrown together. It's, it's it, they've done a proper job on it. They've done a really oh, yeah. really good job. Um, Fully fleshed out. I love how they alternate vocals. It works really well, and just every now and then, just a little computery vocal here and there, and. I really love the way the accordion just drifts in and out from time to time as well. And it's a really, yeah. really good version of the song. I mean, these guys really are, good. These guys are great. I've I own some of Daryl's music, so I've listened to a yeah. fair bit of Daryl too. So I love these lockdown shows. We are really connecting it's, all around the world here. It's working really well. The way this podcast is connecting people, as you say. Well, here am I sitting in the hills of Kalanda and. <laughs> I'm talking and, I mean, even 
Even yeah, even uh, Kai and Daryl are ten hours apart because he's all the way on the west coast, so he's he's three hours earlier than me, and yeah. uh, Daryl's the other way. I think it actually might be more like seven or eight hours. I don't know. Their time changes are different than ours, and it's all very confusing. But so like they're collaborating. You know, it's funny. I'll write Daryl messages in the morning, and for him, you know, it's like later in the day. So it'll be like. I get up at like 5.30 a.m. for work. I'm having coffee. I like shoot Daryl some messages and he'll get right back to me because it's the middle of the day for him. Yeah. If I message anyone else, they're still asleep. For Kai, it's still 2 in the morning or whatever. <laughs> yeah, He's in the yeah. middle of the night, right? So these guys like collaborating, you know, from that far, like despite the digital thing, like it, it makes it a little harder to have a conversation when it's such a different time of the day. Yeah. Uh, for Because uh, here it's 11 p.m. for me and like what? I should be going to bed pretty soon. And it's what time for you over there? One o'clock the, in the afternoon. On Friday, yes. Yeah, so it's Thursday, Friday. 11 p.m., and it's one o'clock, one o'clock Friday. You are coming to me from the future. <laughs> now, I must also give the opinion, I sent this cover to Danny Weinkoff. because I said, Excellent. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I hope you might listen to this episode. Hey, Danny. Hey, uh, thanks for the voicemail. Uh, what's up, dude? Uh, and uh, But I figured I'd send that right to him because those guys put a lot of work into that. And because uh, I was talking to Daryl this morning and he's like, he's like, oh, man, have you considered sending it to Danny? I'm like, I already did. And so he got back to me just a couple hours ago and said, I love this version of balloons. I've always liked Astro B's covers. Very nice to hear him on this. So, well, I don't know. Now he's aware of Kai as well. But I think they actually met because I know Daryl had like stuck around for autographs and stuff and talked to Danny Um and the quote that Daryl loves, uh, the the awesome story Daryl loves telling is that uh, Danny is actually familiar enough with his covers. Like Daryl's been doing YouTube covers for like fifteen years. Yeah. That one time at uh, when he went up to meet Danny, uh, I guess it was when he had met Marty the first time. Danny goes, "Hey Marty, this is Astro B. He knows more. They might be giant songs than us." <laughs> <laughs> I think we're at that point in the show where you need to score this song. I've been thinking about what score I'd give this for quite a while, and I'll be straightforward and give it a nice seven and a half. It's a really good song. It's not the best They Might Be Giant song by a long way, but it's a good solid They Might Be Giant song. It's always fun to listen to, and it come, it's one of the better songs off a really good album. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But so the only episode I've done about a Danny song is Paleontologist. And Paleontologist, let me see. I gave, uh, that's like peak, that's just like an amazing song. I mean, it's my, it's my favorite song off Here Comes Science, and it's not sung by the Johns. I mean, it's crazy. I gave that an 8.3. This one is not too far behind as far as uh, the songs he's written for the band. He's got a lot of really good Red Pants Band songs, too. Yeah. People should go listen to Su- uh, Superstar and uh, Pumpkins Are My Favorite Fruit. Those are the two episodes he did about Red Pants Band songs with me. Uh, I think I'm going to go right, right around with you. I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to do a 7.3 on where do they make balloons? So you got anything else uh, to plug? No, there's a lot of old songs. I, I don't play music at all. Um, I've written, I've written a hundred odd songs and there's some of that published, but nothing that's easy to find on the internet. So no, there's nothing much to play. Um, so what about uh, right? Do you have any uh, poetry out there people can go read? 
only pub only published in magazines if you can get I don't think they put the poetry page on the online version of the magazines they used to publish in. Yeah. Uh, oh. oh, this is back in the oh, 2004, 2008. I was mm-hmm. publishing all that stuff. And sure. I don't think the online version came until after that anyway. So, so no, nothing okay. there. There's no books of poetry. I don't. I don't like poetry. The poetry I've published, <laughs> it's, it's song lyrics. It was all written as song lyrics. There's, well, yeah, sure. And then just put them on a page and it totally changes what it is. But um, I've always thought of it as song lyrics rather than poetry. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But not being a musician, sometimes you need music to write song lyrics too, if if only for structure, if nothing else. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I... Mm-hmm. I'll do lots of parody songs. <laughs> I do lots of parody yeah, songs. Yeah, that's fun. And, um, some of them are good, some not so good. But no, nothing else. I'll tell you, I, I make a parody s- I make a parody songs on the fly all the time. They're usually about my pets or my daughter. I'm, you know, I just take a song, whatever songs in your head. I wasted, start singing. That's yeah. I, wa- yeah. I wasted so much good creative stuff when the kids were little, just like just with nonsensical little lines and songs here and there. Change, oh, that's not wasted. That's nasty. totally no. It wasn't wasted. Enter, entertaining your entertaining your kids is a worthwhile pursuit. Uh, I probably the best thing there is to do. Actually, yeah. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm so glad we finally got to talk like proper and not just through all these messages and stuff. Yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun, and I'm glad to finally get some Australians represented again. It's been. Probably a year and a half, I think, since I've had an Australian on. So I uh, representing, and uh, we'll get Belinda in here pretty soon, and uh, get some good, uh, you know, you get good contingent of Australian fans. We got to get you represented on here a little more. So you, you, thanks so much for being on. You're welcome, man. Greg. It's been very nice talking to you. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is John Walker. I'll be handling post-production, editing, mixing, all that stuff for This Might Be a Podcast during the month of July, while our usual fearless host, Greg, is on paternity leave. So congrats, Greg and family. And if you want to support the show, you can hit us at patreon.com slash thismightbeapodcast. You can follow on Twitter at thismightbeapod. You can send an email to thismightbeapod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave a voicemail, Try 224-801-2930. Presumably, unless you say something really rude, and maybe even if you say something really rude, but in an interesting way, uh, your message will be played on the show. As for me, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Gianni W. That's G-I-A-N-N-I-D-U-B-Y-A. And if you'd like to hear a whole feed full of podcasts that I produce, just look for F-Y-I-Z anywhere you get podcasts. For now, that's all we've got. See you next time.